Our gospel lesson today comes from the 13th chapter of Mark. Hear these words. As Jesus left the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, look, what awesome stones and buildings. Jesus responded, Do you see these enormous buildings? Not even one stone will be left upon another. All will be demolished. Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives across from the temple. Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? What sign will show that all these things are about to come to an end? Jesus said, Watch out, that no one deceives you. Many people will come in my name, saying, I'm the one. They will deceive many people. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. These things must happen, but this isn't the end yet. Nations and kingdoms will fight against each other, and there will be earthquakes and famines in all sorts of places. These things are just the beginning of the sufferings associated with the end. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight for you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All week long, I've had one song in my head while reading this scripture text. It's the old classic by R.E.M. from the 80s. It says, it's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end, right? And you could sing along with me if you want. But um, it, this song, I, I, I investigated it a little more uh, this week, and, and, and it actually came to a rise in streaming popularity again during the pandemic. Um, and, and it seems like whenever something major cataclysmic happens, this song like hits the charts once again, um, for sure paying off the members of REM each time. But, but don't we feel this way when, when, when we've been encountering the news over the last 20 months slash five years or however you want to look at it? Like, is this it? Like, could this be it? Is this the end? Like, you know, we, we see hurricanes and all sorts of things happening more. We, we see crazy wildfires going on amidst global pandemics and amidst race riots and places. And we say, is this the end? Like, could, could it be? I want you to picture here Jesus. He's leaving the temple. And a lot of times we use language about the temple and we don't quite understand just how magnificent of a building this thing was. A lot of times probably because we read it in Leviticus about how many cubits everything was and get a little bogged down in the detail. But, but Jesus is leaving the temple. This is one of the wonders of the world, of the ancient world. Okay? There, there are stones that are taller than people that still remain at the western wall or the Wailing Wall there in Jerusalem, they're hewn out from single stones expertly. But Jesus has shown already in Mark that the temple has its problems. He said, right, that he would destroy it and raise it up in three days. He threw out the money changers that were gathering at the temple. But to say that the temple would be demolished had to, be, had to seem impossible to the disciples at that time. This grand building, this this edifice that represented God's very presence in the midst of his people, how could that be taken down? How could such a beautiful feat ever be be destroyed? And then Jesus, it says, is out on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives kind of overlooks the city. You could see the temple and all of the gates surrounding Jerusalem when you're sitting on the Mount of Olives. 
He's sitting there with Peter and Andrew, with James and John, and they want to know, when will these things happen? When will this all happen? What sign will show us that these things are coming to an end? Isn't this what we always want to know, right? Like, so, so God, is this it? Like, like, is this the time you were talking about? Is this the beginning of the end? And we have prophets and fortune tellers uh, that, that, have make, that make a whole business off of this, right? We've, we've had lots of predictions, and they used to appear on like the tabloid pages when you were checking out the grocery store back in the day when those things existed in paper format. And, and right, it would always be like the end of the world is going to be at the end of X year or like at some strange prognosticated date. And guess what? They've all been wrong so far, um, right? Like the, Jesus is saying, like, watch out for those folks. Watch out for the ones who tell you exactly the date and the year, right? We have cult leaders and examples of that, people who have literally drunk the Kool-Aid, right, following when the end of the world is going to be. But somehow people want to follow them. They get sucked into that narrative because at least someone is giving them a definite distinction of when this is all going to happen. Or we have the appeal of like dystopian reality, of kind of post-apocalyptic worlds, right? So we've read stuff like 1984 or The Handmaid's Tale or Brave New World or Westworld. And we wonder, aren't we kind of headed there? Like if just a few changes were made, wouldn't it all get destroyed? And then is this what would happen? Is this what would rise up instead? It seems too close to reality sometimes to read and watch those things. And do some of us, do we enjoy all of it just a little too much, enjoying how close it hits to home sometimes? Jesus gives this warning then in this text, right? People will come claiming to be the Messiah. They will claim saying, I am he, it's me. These could be political leaders rising up, right? Saying, listen, people, I'm going to rise up. I'm going to, we, we are going to uh, fix all of the problems of the world if only it would just be this people, uh, right, and, and blame someone else. We, we've seen those political leaders rise up. Or religious and cult leaders doing the same thing, claiming to be the Messiah. The guarantee that Jesus gives in this text is maybe not the most comforting one. It is this, right? Like wars and rumors of wars are going to happen. Nation states are, are, are going are going to be in wars against one another. Power is going to be grabbed at and tried to be achieved. Earthquakes and famines, he says, are going to happen. There's going to be natural disasters and things of that nature. But that doesn't mean, Jesus says, that it's the end. These things are just the beginning of the end. Every generation has to feel like this. I imagine for those who were alive during World War II and the following of it and the possibility of global annihilation before things like the United Nations then were put into place during it, the possibilities of nuclear warfare and things raising up and just scaring the tar out of everyone all the way into and through the Cold War and things like that. We have, we have the people who had to live through the Civil War and literally see people of their own country destroying one another and... and what that had to feel like at the time. We think about times like a Spanish flu and other pandemics that have happened in, in, in the course of not just our country, but in the globe. Or we think about Katrina and Fran and all of the different storms we can name and other natural disasters where they had to feel also like, is this it? Is this the end? I think what we see here in Jesus explaining this is that we are a part of the story of history. 
We are a part of the story of history. And in this story, in the way we narrate this as followers of Jesus, Jesus returns and all is made right. But right now, where we are in the story is waiting for that. We are somewhere like in that middle-to-end conflict part of the story. I can't tell you how long that part is. It seems like it's like a multi-part movie at this point, but we're in it, right? Jesus never said that this would be easy. His guarantee, in fact, in this text, right, and in all sorts of other texts, is that life won't be easy. And so why, when bad things happen in our lives, why, when bad things happen in the world, do we immediately question God as if God is the one raining down all the bad things when Jesus guaranteed that these things, in fact, would happen, right? That doesn't make it easy to swallow, but it is truthful. I mean, Jesus said, those who want to follow me would take up their cross, deny themselves, and follow me, right? He promises here, hey, there's going to be wars, there's going to be natural disasters, like, This is going to exist, and that doesn't even mean it's the end. So Jesus gives this warning, and he also then gives this encouragement, which is don't be alarmed. Don't raise the white flag and lose all hope whenever these things occur. For we have two choices, I think, two paths we can take when we feel like it's the end of the world. The first one is this. We can succumb to the chaos and be sucked into the vortex Singing, it's the end of the world as we know it, through and through. It has never been easier to be sucked into that vortex. Just spend half an hour on Facebook, clicking around, going into the rabbit hole. Or keep the news in the background all of the time in your home. And you're pretty quickly convinced this has to be it. This has to be the end. So that's choice one. Or... Choice two, we can acknowledge chaos and conflict are part of the story. Doesn't mean we understand it, but we are in that part of the story. It's not the end yet. And we can live as people of hope in the midst of that story. For predicting the end never works. This isn't the only time that Jesus will warn against doing it, but he seemed to know what we would be facing 2,000 some odd years later. So the question is, how do we live as people of hope in the midst of it? How do we not succumb to the chaos? Well, first, don't get sucked into the vortex. Don't get sucked in. Spend less time seeing the world through a screen, whether that's a big screen or a tiny screen. Spend less time getting sucked into that. We are influenced by it more than we realize. Take a social media fast if you need to. Just get off it for a week. If you find that the first second that you are bored or listless for a second that you turn to that app or do it, don't pick up your phone when you're bored. All of them will tell you now how many times you pick it up, which is really dangerous and scary when you start to look at at the facts rather than just ignore it. Limit the news intake. It used to be good enough to look at your paper in the morning and watch it at 6 o'clock. Y'all, there's not that much more happening. We just make it up and make it seem like there is, right? Limit the intake. I'm not saying don't know what's going on in the world, but Lord have mercy, it's not good for us to be constantly sucked into that vortex. I think all of us know and have, been, have seen it or have seen the effects of it when we get sucked into it. And then be part of things that are beautiful, enjoyable, restful, and offer hope. 
You know that word recreation, right? That word recreation is really a word that means recreation. We are, we are following God's footsteps of, of doing something anew, of creating something fresh, of just being in God's presence and being in the world. Snuggle with a child. Be part of feeding someone. Work in a garden. Fight for justice. For when we get sucked into the vortex, we become either paralyzed or depressed or both. When we get sucked in the vortex, we become either paralyzed or depressed or both. And if you continue to read this text from Mark 13, Jesus is not saying it's the end of the world and we're all dead. Jesus is offering encouragement and hope for how to live in the midst of it seeming like the world is crumbling around you. Friends, work as part of the story with the happy and victorious ending. For that's what living in God's kingdom is all about. I invite you to pray with me. Lord, we live in a world where it is easy to get sucked into this vortex. God, and it feels like, um, it feels like almost like the, the things just come at us and that we don't have a way to stop it. God, the flow of information flows in a way that is so fast that our brains hardly have time to process it. God, and we know that whatever slant we read from, that it's coming from some slant. And so God, we pray for the discipline uh, to, to see the world as you see it, to understand where we are in your story um, and in the grand story of history. And God, that somehow in the midst of craziness and chaos that you would offer us hope, that through your Holy Spirit, you would give us peace. And God, that you would truly uh, watch over each of us. I pray for each brother and sister here or worshiping with us online. God, that as we feel that tug to say, this is it, it's the end, um, that at that same time, God, you would help us to live as people of hope. God, to create, to see beauty around us, to point to signs of your kingdom and not just to the demise around us. And God, also to be part of that kingdom work that you are doing in our midst as both a church community and in your world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.